On today's Locked On Cavs, here's the downside of breaking up Jared Allen and Evan Mobley too early. Let's dive in. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Music you heard on the way in is from our friends at Astro Radio. I'm Chris Manning. That is Evan Damrell. Thanks again to Jake Stevens for producing. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. All right. The Jared Allen, Evan Mobley partnership, Evan. Here's, an, here's another Kobe Altman quote I want to hit, hit the, the listeners, the viewers with. He was asked, I guess, do I feel good? How he felt about Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. Here's the quote. Do I feel good about Evan Mobley and Jared Allen? Question mark. Absolutely, Altman said. We have all world-class defensive players in a four-court. Can we add to that? Absolutely. I think we're looking at that as well. But to start there, we're the number one defense league because of those two. I think we're in a good spot. And Evan, I agree. Here, here's what I would say. There may come a point, we've talked about this, where Jared Allen is the one traded out. We know the Cavs have gotten calls on him. But when you trade, I think when the time comes to Jared Allen, you are going to shift what this team sort of plays like and looks like. Look at what Boston has done this summer, right? Like they bring in Porzingis, they trade smart. Their scheme now is going to be, you can't switch anymore. It works differently. You're changing the way your team plays. There, there's something different about how you're going to play now. I don't know why you're making that face. I still question the Celtics trading Marcus Smart. I think that might cause some ripples that the Celtics may not be able to ride with. Sure, possible. Because Kristaps like, Porzingis yeah. is a dude I just wouldn't give up the farm for. Well, I mean, they didn't give up the farm. They actually got good value back, but I understand your point. When they get him, they're not, they can't switch. They can't play the, the, the same way they played defense the last couple of years when they've made this, these really impressive runs. With Cleveland, you have a hit that success, so it's not a one-to-one apples-to-apples comparison. It's more like apples to like a banana or an apples to oranges, so to speak. Both fruits, both good, but different. You trade Jared Allen, you move on from him. The way Evan Mobley plays defense, the way your scheme works, it is going to change. And you have to be very sure, I think, if you're going to do that, that that's the right decision. I agree with you. Uh, to make a comparison, because I'm still playing through Tears of the Kingdom, almost 200 hours in at this point, it's like showing up to the King Gleok fight without any key size or enough key size or enough arrows because you're going to have a bad time. And I don't think the Cavs fully know what Evan Mobley can be as a player. I don't think any of us do because year three is that quote-unquote proverbial leap, and we were kind of talking about this before this we hit live. Um, if Evan Mobley does look more comfortable as a five, and we did talk about this with Martin Rickman as well many moons ago, but like, let's say the three-point shot doesn't convey, and just like it's unrealistic to expect like he's going to have just like legitimate like shooting upside, and he's more better suited as like a four who is better used as a five a la kind of like what the bucks do sometimes with Giannis if like lopez is unavailable or if they lopez is in foul trouble or just like you know my dream death lineup the bucks sometimes at Giannis at the five but again this isn't like an apples to apples thing or an apples to grapes thing it's not even a grapple thing uh with like Mobley and Giannis, but it's just more so the outside shot and just in today's nba the Cavs play an antiquated style of basketball with two seven footers and Right now, like at this crossroads, what Jared Allen gives you is still much more valuable than what the Cavs can get right now for Jared Allen. And also, 
I have questions about the defensive dip until I see Evan Mobley like and can comfortably say like, okay, yeah, he is best suited at the five for the Cavs. They can maybe ride the wave of the defensive drop off of losing Jared Allen or not playing with him next to Evan Mobley. But Mobley's also just another worldly defensive player that it mitigates some of the concerns of that as well. My biggest concern is is just like Jared Allen, he's consistent as a star player. Um, he is going to give you really good paint defense. He's gonna meet players at the rim, he's going to give you rebounding, and he's gonna protect he's just gonna protect the interior of the um of the key. And that instead empowers Evan Mobley to do as you and I both say, Evan Mobley things where he can defend all over the floor, he can do a little bit of everything, he can be very switchable, he can do a lot of just different things at once, and I think not having to like overtax him and say like, okay, Evan, we need you to do all that. And then also kind of shoulder the responsibility of what Jared Allen used to give us or gave us um, is an interesting thought process. And it's something kind of, I'm curious to see how it evolves because there is some data, at least like when Allen was down with the eye injury, like the Cavs played pretty well with Evan Mobley at the five and they put spacing all around him next to, I think it was like Dean Wade was starting at the four for a little bit and Dean Wade shot didn't totally abandon him yet. So the Cavs were kind of making it work on the fly, of course, just due to injuries, and that's just the nature of the beast in basketball. But, like, there is footage of Mobley being successful at the five. It's just I need to see a lot more of it before I can comfortably say, like, okay, if you're Jared Allen and you're being moved on, like, the Cavs maybe go find a stretchier option at the four to pair more so next to Evan Mobley that can function as, like, a pick-and-roll, pick-and-pop player next to, like, Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland as well. And that unlocks the Cavs on different levels, too. And that's that's just because George Niang isn't the dude that can give you that for 30 minutes a night. But I think that's just a conversation for down the line. Like, I don't think there needs to be a sense of urgency to, like, make this move immediately, especially if it's just for the sake of, like, making a move. I agree. I And I, and I think you... <sighs> I think there will be a point again where i i think the the mobley allen partnership changes and and i think it's about how you find different things that fit for you i think it's about finding different just what works for you what doesn't you know d- does mobley get bigger does mobley elevate to a 5 i i think that is very possible right like i think that that's a world where like it's an anthony davis curve where it's like he maybe still plays with five other five sometimes but it's it's He's a situation best as a 5 yeah, like he's best at a five, but like you, you know, do you save him from bruising sometimes? Do you, how do you kind of manage all that? I think that's that to me is like is a real thing in all of this. And Allen is better than what I'm about to describe, but he's kind of like the meat shield for Evan Mobley, right? Like Evan Mobley gets to play in help defense and doesn't have to guard Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic, right? Like it is like this very different thing that he gets to do and get and unlock so much for him if. You're in a situation where, you know, Evan Mobley is playing the five. His defensive role is going to look different. Everything is just going to function different for him. And I don't think that can be, I don't think that can be overstated right now with where Mobley's at. Look, at some point he's going to get bigger. It's going to change. We're going to like look at him in this different way. Right now, we're we're just we're not there with him in that exact. No, uh, you and I are on the same page. Um... It's an awkward situation just because the Cavs are, I guess, Phoenix to an extent, but like the, the Suns are the reality of like, oh, you are strapped financially, but like the Cavs do have a bit of wiggle room right now because of Mobley still on his rookie, rookie scale deal to like navigate as a organization 
flirting with the luxury tax threshold, but still have four bona fide like all stars slash star level players on your roster. And it's an interesting way to team build it. It's just the problem is it's hard when you have two guys that offensively at least kind of provide you some similar things in terms of scoring threats. And again, like this whole narrative gets completely shifted if Evan Mobley comes out and hits like 35, 38% on maybe three or four three-point attempts per game uh, to open the season. Like that just gets incrementally better as the season goes on. Like, well, we'll see how it goes just because like we talked about uh, Evan's older brother Isaiah on um, Wednesday's episode, like he's playing really well and maybe like Evan Mobley taps into a little bit of that shooting touch his brother has, but if it doesn't convey, like it, it becomes harder to justify sticking with like a late 80s slash all of the 90s and early 2000s style of basketball where you dominate with big men and shooting is just an afterthought like it's just not how it works in modern basketball today and like yeah you you had a touch of modernity this offseason by adding max Struess or george niang or ty jerome and then obviously you have mitchell and garland but like you're gonna need more of it especially if you are hell-bent and determined to have two seven footers on your roster going forward and if Mobley doesn't develop three-point shooting in that way. Yeah, that's the whole thing. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about the international flavors of Summer League. So stay tuned for Luke Travers and Khalifa Giap talk up next. Today's episode of Locked on Cavs is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs make you look good. And their stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and the leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better and don't cost nearly as much. They fit way better than regular shorts that they're because that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs fix their issues by inventing a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki that stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. And also, this is really helpful for a guy like me who wears his Bird Dogs out on the golf course. Bird Dogs use an anti-stick, stink, sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long so you can hit that back nine and still feel fresh so if you're interested go to birddogs.com forward slash locked on nba or enter promo code locked on nba for a free hold on let me get it out yeti style tumbler it's similar to this one without the stickers of course but i drink water out of it and that's birddogs.com forward slash locked on nba or promo code locked on nba for a free yeti style tumbler again like this one and you won't want to take your bird dogs off we promise you and i'm serious i own multiple pairs at this point they're some of the most comfortable shorts i own Birddogs.com backslash locked on NBA. Evan, let's talk about Khalifa Jeff first. I have a little bit less to say about where he's at. He he has not done a ton. He's kind of just like been there while Isaiah Moby's been the real focal point big. Yeah. But that guy's frame is like really interesting. That guy's frame is like clearly built to add some mass. It's funny you mentioned his frame because when he spoke at the media leading up the summer league, Joe Gabriel and I were standing next to each other and he's just like, he's like, that's a big dude who's only going to get bigger. And like, that's, that's, that's a good way to describe Khalif. I think it's Halifa actually. Halifa Jop. Um, yeah. My apologies. No, you're all good. I just, I was remembering it now just during his availability, but Halifa Jop is just a guy like he, he is built very, very well. Um, he's very strong as a player, but it's, it's very clear that, at least with him hanging with the NBA big dogs, that he does need a lot more time to season and marinate. And sure, he has a championship in the Euro Cup, and he is going to be at Grand Carina for a lot longer, and like the Cavs are in his ear as often as they can, telling him on things he needs to work on as a player. But 
for him as a prospect, I think you're just looking at a dude who's going to be hyper-athletic, a guy who just has that massive imposing frame that's just going to get bigger and stronger. And maybe you look at him two years from now if he does ever want to come over to the NBA, uh, considering the Cavs used like a early-ish second-round pick on him. You'd hope he would, but he he's interesting. The idea of Job is interesting. I just, he needs more time to marinate. And I think just like the last two years in EuroLeague, like the first two years of his career, he's got like serious minutes. He needs more of that to kind of just continue to keep wetting his whistle and just figuring out what he is as a player. Yeah, he's... He's at this real interesting size where he's 6'11", 231. You could see him getting to be like 250, 260, and like, it would make sense to me. And, and he's 21. So this is like a very... like He is two full years younger, I believe, than, than Isaiah Mobley. Um, two or three years younger. He's, and his, you mentioned the contract extension. So his deal was originally set to expire in 2024. Now that it's extended through 2025. So you'll have... He's got a couple more years in Europe. What he looks like when he comes back. What he looks like at the end of all that will be interesting. And it does he make the jump then and then he could do without having to pay a fee to the team. You know, maybe there's a change at center, then maybe you invest in him. Then I'm curious to see kind of what they're their how that works out in a couple of years time. I don't know if we'll see him in summer league again. This might be the last time we see him there two years. You know, we'll, we'll see if he plays next year or not, or Travers plays next year, but like, this is someone to kind of put a pin in this and let's see what he looks like in 2025, which is like both a long ways away and like not, that long away, really. Uh, Luke Travers, no. Evan, what have you thought about Luke Travers in Summer League so far? Well, it, it does make me chuckle a little bit because he cut off his mullet because of haircuts, and then he kind of had like a strong statement or because of just sweat during workouts, not because of haircuts, it was a haircut. But um, more so, he's like, I'd rather let my play speak for itself than my hair just because he looked like Billy from Stranger Things. But um, Or the he, or that uh, there's a golfer as well, Cam Smith. That he, he talked yeah, about that, as well, that's, I believe. Yeah, actually, that's a guy he got comparisons to as well when he was first drafted by Cleveland. But either way, um, he has jumped a little bit for me. Just as like, okay, there could be something here in a year or two that could be like kind of like that glue guy-ish level player where he, he shared during the lead of the summer league that he could be a guy who's a bit of a point forward. He can be the guy who plays one through four defensively wants to show his defensive capability. He's not the most athletic player. I think that's certainly still being showcased in Summer League, but, like, there's a little bit of everything. They're like, yeah, there's, there's some good with Luke Travers, but it still needs some smoothing out and ironing out, and it's fair to question those. Like, he said, like, yeah, every kid dreams about playing the NBA, but in the same argument can be with Giop as well. Like, do you want to maybe have to go through the course of signing a two-way deal, developing at the G League level, then playing for the Cavs maybe on some type of money? Or would you rather make guaranteed money and in a Travers case, play in your home country of Australia as well? Like, he's with Melbourne United with Matthew Delvadova. Um, and, like, that's just, I don't know, maybe, like, that's a sneaky recruiting pitch on the Cavs part, but neither here nor what there. Delhi's too busy investing in nutraceutical companies and tech startups like that. But, um... Travers hasn't popped for me like Isaiah Mobley has in terms of just like the three games the Cavs have played in Summer League, but like he has stood out at times where like, yeah, you, you could see a little bit of something here that if it keeps heading or trending in this direction, that he could be a glue guy type player if he wants to go from Australia to the States and play in the NBA. And that, that doesn't mean like, okay, he plays with the Cavs right away. Like it, it could be a lot of different paths. And again, 
he's actually admitted like i probably expect to be in australia for another year or two before i even entertain the thought of going to the nba so the, the Cavs at least have the luxury to kind of let him grow and develop his own right internationally and then maybe keep checking in whether it's through summer league or just sending scouts out there like mike ganzi reportedly according to travers was a frequent guest at some of the melbourne united games or i'm um, sorry Perth Wildcat games uh, that he was playing for at the time just because he was just there checking in on Luke and making sure like he's developing the way the Cavs want him to. Yeah, I, he's got, you know, a path ahead here to really develop. The shot has to come along. The yeah, the frame has to come along. I, I He just, to me, like plays like he knows what he's doing, though, and that would give me some optimism. Um, he looks comfortable even if, like, there's not an overwhelming skill. Now, can you have, like, can you be someone who has... Like lacks like a really dominant skill and totally pop. I think it can be really hard to kind of be someone who really, really matters in that way. I think that that can be a tricky thing. But I'm a fan of just generally how he plays. I you know I don't think he's like blown away summer league in the way you might have hoped. But he's not coming. It's not like he's coming over this year. Like at the very least, you know, like you're you're in a spot with him where you're not in a you're not totally in a rush to kind of figure yeah. this out with him, which is okay. It- and my barometer for with Travers, at least, is he looks better than he did in his first go around in the summer league with the Cavs. Like, if you're to me showing growth from year one in summer league, whether that's Isaiah Mobley or Luke Travers heading into this year with Isaiah Mobley and Luke Travers, like, there's something there at least to say, like, okay, there are signs of growth and improvement. It's not maybe as dramatic as the leap Mobley's kind of taken just through three games of summer league action, but. There's stuff you can kind of like read within the stats or the highlights or just anything really when it terms comes to just breaking down the film of this. Like, yeah, there, there is some growth and development here. There's still room for improvement. Again, I said this several times about the Summer League squad. Every player has room for improvement, but you can at least like pinpoint moments You're like, okay, Lou Travers is getting better at maybe the shooting touch thing, like you said, isn't fully there yet, but like at least he's showing a little bit more faith in his shot, at least attempting those shots. And then you hope down the line maybe. Yeah, those convey whether that's in Australia or with the Cavs, but that that's kind of my barometer for like success with him. Like you said, he hasn't jumped out, but like at least he's showing signs of growth compared to last year. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the NBA Cup, what that is, what we think about it. Coming up after this. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Whether you're dealing with decisions around career relationships or anything else, BetterHelp can help you navigate it, help you stay connected to what you really want in life so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked in to get 10% off. I'm a regular therapy goer. I can't recommend it enough. And if, if BetterHelp is a way that this makes sense for you, I, I would again take advantage of our promo code that is locked on MBA, betterhelp.com slash locked in to get 10% off your first month. You can switch therapists whenever you need to. It's a great service. It's betterhelp, H E L P.com slash locked on. All right, the NBA Cup, Evan, is coming. Uh, the in-season tournament is coming. I, I, the Cavs have a group. They're in East Group A with Philly, Atlanta, Indiana, and Detroit. Uh, you can go through all the groups. We know that the games will be played on November 3rd, 10th, 14th, 17th, 21st, 24th, and 28th. Most of those dates, are, four of those are on a Friday. Three of them are on a Tuesday. The winner of each group will advance to the tournament. 
um, in Las Vegas. The quarters will be playing on December 4th and December 5th. The semis on December 7th at T-Mobile Arena. And then the championship uh, will be on Saturday, December 9th. The final per the league will be a East versus West matchup. So you only play your own teams until you get to the finals. Um, where are you at on, on this in-season tournament? So in terms of planning our schedule, like you and I have mentioned, going up to Detroit, cover a Cavs game in Detroit, like this makes it easier. At least we realistically know when the dates are going to be, but it does make you wonder, like these seed games, I do believe have an impact on like your regular season standings and schedule. Like these count towards games played. Uh, I, I does the tournament as well before the championship. Like I know the championship game doesn't count towards the grandstandings in the league, but I, I you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But from the optics of it being like late November, early December, which is like right before basketball kind of starts to heat up, like to have more competitive hoops to kind of open the season. Like yeah, sure that's great. My only issue it is I wonder if the players union maybe or some members of the players union at least the guys at the top don't feel this way or how some coaching staff may handle this is the risk of injury like especially if you get to the tournament for tournament format and this be kind of kind of becomes like yeah you are playing for bragging rights in five hundred thousand dollars per player in cash if you make it all the way and there's other cash prizes as well depending on how you finish but the risk of injury and the fa- fact that you like this could dramatically alter the scope and planning process of your entire season like that that gives me like bone deep discomfort just thinking like just hypothetically speaking like i was talking to my fiance with this over dinner because she was asking me about it um i said like let's just say hypothetically like the lakers make the championship game and like lebron knock on wood this doesn't happen but like blows out his knee and is out for the season like if you're the Lakers, you're furious because like that just craters your entire season. If you're bas- if you're the game of basketball, like you're pretty upset too because LeBron's out for the year and probably for quite a while just considering like the miles tread and the, the severity of like a knee injury, like there's the risk that goes into it. I wonder how teams navigate it just to make sure that they ensure long-term success and viability for their team all while maybe staying within the confines of what Adam Silver's trying to do and just make all 82 games kind of have a little bit of weight to them instead of maybe like a handful of them and then teams maybe coasting to the postseason. So I I don't think we know what basketball-wise this is going to look like. Like it's impossible for us to know until it happens. This is the first we've had it. And if you just look at the group, like so Cleveland has Philly in its group. Like I can imagine a world where Philly is like, like we have Joel Embiid, who's like a real injury risk. Why are we going to play him in these cup games? Like we don't want to add two to three extra games in December. Yeah. On the flip side, what I'm excited about with it is I could see a team. I, I think there are two kinds of teams that I think I could see beginning really invested in this. The Cavs are one of those type of teams. They are a team on the up and up that has not won anything yet. Why not go for this? Why not try? Right? Like you could try to win very, something. Very- very Russell Westbrook of you. Hashtag why not? Yeah, hashtag why not? I'm a Russ. You know, like, look, I Russ has had his ups and downs. I'm a Russ. I, I love to peak Russ. It was a wonderful experience. I love experience. Russ. One of my favorite players to ever watch and still, like, is when he taps into that athleticism for a brief moment again, you're like, ooh, he's fun. Right. So you look at this, and, and to me, I, I think, okay, there's a team like that 
in these groups that you could really go for it. I don't think like the Warriors are going to go for this. I don't think the Lakers are going to go for this. The I don't Clippers think like the Nuggets definitely won't be. The, the Nuggets, like I, these teams that have actually won big things or have players that are trying to win those big things, I think won't go for. It. Cleveland has Mobley and Garland haven't totally won anything yet, and like Mitchell, you know, Mitchell hasn't like won anything big yet. Go for something like this. That's cool. And the other side of it. Do you get teams like the Pacers in Cleveland's group or like Orlando or someone else that really like really go for it, that really just go for it? And maybe like, look, they have to win their group to advance or the certain seating to get in there. I do. Does some does something like that happen where like you get a young team that like makes it there and it's a cool story? Those are the two kinds of teams that I think I expect to be invested in this. But maybe it ends up just being chalk because these games matter anyway. I just don't think we know. We really don't know. And that's kind of the fun of it and you had mentioned Orlando which I think is a great mention but I was thinking of Indiana a lot just looking at Cleveland's group I'm like that is a pesky team that has nothing to lose they're young they're athletic Rick Carlisle is a coach that doesn't really like to settle on losing quite a bit uh, I think like Tyrese Halliburton like Obi Toppin and Jarris Walker and Miles Turner and Buddy Heald is still there too like the, the Pacers and um, there's also Benedict Matherin too like the, the Pacers have a very fun young team like with a lot of legs to kind of get out there and I'm interested to see, like, are they one of those, like, more younger tryhard teams who maybe want to prove that, similarly to Cleveland, back when Darius Garland, Jared Allen made the all-star team and Evan Mobley was a rising star, like, do they maybe want to set the tone and maybe make some noise to say, like, hey, the Pacers are kind of on the up and up, we're still young, we're still growing, but, like, we have something to prove, and maybe this is their way to make a statement. Orlando's a good one to look at, too, just because, like, the Magic are a team that just has an overabundance of wealth at, like, every position at this point, and... They're going to be pesky and annoying and a lot of fun just in general. And like they could be an interesting group too. And like, yeah, how teams approach this will be fascinating. Like do teams like either Los Angeles squad, Denver, Milwaukee, even, I mean, maybe Cleveland leans toward Cleveland's like a weird French team. Like they could go out and prove it or say like, you know what? No, let's just kind of keep some gas in our tank and not risk the biscuit just because we're trying to win a trophy that maybe doesn't carry as much weight as the Larry O'Brien just right now. Like maybe this tournament means a whole lot more 10, 15, 20 years from now, if it, it's still around, but it could be fun just for the aspect of just like parody because yeah, there is some implications for it for like uh record wise, but like it does make it fun for like these, a lot of these mid market teams or teams that have been like going through this rebuilding process to play some like, meaningful hoops early into the season when some teams are still kind of trying to condition themselves a little bit to kind of like play themselves back into shape or like i mean byron scott's not coaching anymore but like maybe there's a team that follows like the pat riley ethos under byron like that byron scott emulated like they just played like they're in phenomenal shape to start the year um i i can just say if you are the Milwaukee bucks you are thanking every god on the greek pantheon and any other pantheon just because mike budenholzer isn't coaching you or Michael Budenholzer of Christmas Pass isn't coaching you anymore because he this is this is a tournament that Mike Budenholzer would take so seriously because the regular season is on the line. But other than that, like I, I think it could be fun. I just I I do just feel that like lingering sense of dread that like just the injury risk makes me concerned because like that's the last thing you need if you're the NBA if you're trying to promote this new idea and like make it seem fun and hip and just like the new part of the new norm and like adopting this European uh, just more soccer style format. And, like, you lose one of your marquee players because of it, no one is going to want to sign up and do this after that. Like, it's, it's going to be a point of contention going forward after that, and it's going to be a talking point going forward if it's, like, a really, really big that drops. Yeah, the other thing I would say is I, w- I think I'm curious to see what this looks like in the future, but one of the things I would really like 
to see is this to get more like European soccer, make it more chaotic. Let's put some G League teams in there. Let's put a team that, of... that would be fun. Like relegation would never happen, but like having like yeah, the top few G League squads maybe scrap like put 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 them all. Like, honestly, put them all. Put them all. I don't care. Put a team of like NBA vets coached by like Doc Rivers who like don't have teams. Give me like a team with Deion Waiters and Darren Collison and Harry Giles and John Wall and let's just like let it go. Kenneth Reed. Dude, let's dude, go. The big, the big three is already a thing, though. So why do yeah, we but like, do it? I, I don't want like, I don't want like, I don't want like Royce, Royce, like White. Like, I want like Dan Waiters taking thirty shots in a game in Las Vegas in December. Because why not? Some of those things are realistic. the The reason this is kind of going to happen in December is because there's enough time where like it's not bumming up against the playoffs. This is a trial yeah. run. We'll see how this gets tinkered with. I, I'm. I'm warming to it. I wasn't super into it. it. I'm curious to see what the players have to say about it, but I, I'm kind of getting into it. The the December aspect, you you just as you said it out loud, it is interesting because that is kind of like a dry spell for uh, like noteworthy TV. Like yeah, there's Christmas hoops. Like that's become a staple. Like the NFL does dominate Sundays, and it's smart on the NBA to never play on a Sunday during this slate. But like there is a bit of a dry spot and if you have some competitive meaningful sports like people are going to tune in and watch especially if it's around the holidays and you're just hanging out with your family like the guy like people are just gonna grab a couple brews or maybe a glass of wine if you want to feel fancy about it and just like watch some high impact yeah you like that aspect's fun um and like i want to again this is always my coward's answer i want to see how it looks before i form my full opinion but i gave the thumbs down leading into this just because Again, I just don't, I don't want to see somebody's season get absolutely cratered because they try to play meaningful basketball in late November, early December. Let's end it there. I'm Chris Manning. That's it for Jeremy. Thanks again to Jake Stevens for producing. Back at you tomorrow with more Locked On Cavs podcasts. Shout out to everyone for tuning in. Please rate and review and subscribe if you've not already.